really, she's a really good therapist. I mean, really, really good. One day I go in the office, she's like, Mike, I want you to tell me exactly what's on your mind today. When you get back, just tell me. I see you're under a lot of stress. Tell me. She said, I don't think you're ready for this therapy. Nope, I need you to know what it is. I said, well, do you think it's okay if I jack off to my therapist? So I got a new therapist now. He's really good, working with me all the time now, you know, <laughs> treating me good, suggesting nice things for me to do. And best of all, I don't jack off to him. So we're good on that department. We're good on that. Uh, shit, where was I going to go? How long have I been up here, Pam? Uh, well, you, whenever you ask, you have a minute. Oh, okay. I mean, I got a lot more material. Oh, you have a minute. Oh, I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a minute. <laughs> I got a lot more material. Well, you have a minute. Make it last. God damn it. Whenever you right? ask, that's what right? happens. <laughs> this is how I do it. So, I, I, so this is the first time I've actually been in a room where white people was comparing how rich they were. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, damn. Are y'all really comparing y'all privilege to each other? God damn. <laughs> Pam was like, no, you're not rich. <laughs> you're rich. I'm poor. It's like, God damn. Did you see the projects recently? Because that's where I grew up at. God damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit. We pay $18 a month for rent and was late every fucking month. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Late every goddamn month. $18? Really? God damn it. Hey, y'all, this has been my time. I'm Mike Bonds. Mike Bonds, everyone. Hooray, huzzah. Comments. Uh, there's that mic's there. Oh, there you go. Hi, <laughs> right, Mike. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got comments. Oh, yeah, that's comments. Right, that's right. For this, it, I mean. I mean, you don't have to use that to listen, but the, uh, I think for this, it really matters, like, about the, the goke joke. Like, if you wanted to, when you, you had a line at the end where you're like, I think the goat liked it, too, you could make that more graphic if you wanted to. Like, you could make, like, a goat noise. Like, you should I feel make like that it, more like, graphic. Yeah. And the goat's name. Maybe the goat's name is Candy. I mean, it's kind of up to you. It's kind of... <laughs> It's kind of up to you whether or not you want to go there, uh, right? Like, but, like, if you made, like, a... I don't know what noise goats make, but, like... <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, you yeah. got to make a sound of a goat getting <laughs> fucked. That's a whole different sound right there. Exactly. <laughs> like, That's the like same sort of illustrate... <laughs> no, Like, no. illustrate what made you think that the goat was liking it. Yeah. I think that would be pretty funny. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, once again, it's well, up to you. Well, his tail was wagging, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Name the goat. Yeah, Mike, it's up to you if you want to make the fact that you're jerking off to goats more graphic. Yeah. And and I said this to you the other night, too. Do they eat the goat after? Do they, like, sacrifice the goat after and eat it? I hope so. I hope they fuck the goat and then eat it. That's a goat whole is different delicious. type of porn right there. That's snuff goat well, porn, Pam. Yeah, well, there you go. Snuff, snuff goat, porn. goat porn. Why not? As long as you murder the goat. You hey, talk about goat balls. Cool, goat balls are delicious, bro. Come on now. Snuff goat porn. I'm, I'm sure it's happened before. I'm sure it's happened before. I, I think your, your, so your buddy sent you this goat porn film. Yeah. I think maybe also your buddy sends you a goat fleshlight yeah. for you to really enjoy it. Okay. Real goat skin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to make it more normal. He's like, hey, you should like this because I really, really fucking like it. Well, if I have people around me that like it, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable with it. How do, you, how do you transition that to try to fuck somebody's goat, though? Well, there's a bunch of there's a bunch <laughs> you know, your of um, pretty hot over there, there's a bunch <laughs> of goats in uh, there's people that own goats in Berkeley and they take the goats out and that's what mows your lawn basically. They in have Berkeley, like two I'm or three. Sure they fuck yeah, they have like two Berkeley, or three goats and yeah, they, they take them to them. your yard and they put the goats in your yard for yeah. like an hour 
and they mow everything down. Yeah. So and they fucking them too. Perfectly. Maybe they yeah, are they fucking fuck the goats too. Uh, wait, when you're getting that pedicure too, and yeah. you're like, when you're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna come. It's going down, uh-huh. down my pant leg into that little water that they have right at your feet. All right. I don't know. <laughs> don't they have a little, little little bucket of water right at your feet when you're getting a pedicure? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe your cum goes down your have pant you ever, leg. Have you ever had a pedicure? I have not. I've actually not. Get I've never had one. Pedicure. You'll thank me later. Am I on? I'm not yeah, on. You're on now. Here I am. Okay, so oh. back to the, you said ADHD dogs. Yeah. Um, I would go with PTSD dogs. Ooh, yeah. Because um, dogs, as uh, I use Blueberry, the veterinarian or whatever, but dogs for PTSD, they give them the same Valium that they give to people. Um, diazepam for dogs is the same diazepam that you give to people. So I would take away ADHD and I'd go to PTSD. You don't want to give dogs like fucking ADHD medication. It doesn't make sense to give dogs, you know, crack. Well, that was the whole point. His dog was licking my leg and I was like, your dog okay? He was like, my dog has ADHD. Just change it to PTSD PTSD. and then give him some Valium and. uh, yeah. There, no, there's some. Someone has a someone has a joke. Someone has, someone has a joke about like white people giving their dogs Xanaxes, and like well, it's, that's a hilarious concept. It, but it, it, in real life, in real life, in what? real life, dogs that have PTSD get the same Valium that people get, and it's just two milligrams instead of ten milligrams. Yeah, it's it's a less dosage, but then. You'd be like, oh, my dog, he's like, he's not responding to it as much. I think he needs a higher dose. Yeah. Dogs love benzos. Because, of course, you're eating fucking so dogs. Why yeah, I mean. Like, PTSD. What did he go through to get PTSD? He got bred through years and years and years of human eugenics, like, Ooh, to the point where he's no longer anything that he once resembled biologically, and he's Ooh. just shaking. Damn. Deep, big man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's genetic PTSD. It's like you got PTSD from past... Past lives. Yeah. All right. Can I introduce I the next comic? Sure, yeah. if you want to. Yeah. I All think right. it's, you know, it's... it's Coming it's to the stage. Here. San Francisco's very own. I'll show y'all love. This man has performed all over town at Cobb's. Been at the Crazy Horse. He's been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Probably been at your girl's house, too. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all give it up for Willie Walnuts, Mark Noyer. Willie Walnuts. Get a fresh bag, bitch. Oh, he has his own. There you go. Bitch. Oh, fuck. What's my favorite word? He goes, oh, fuck, Dad. Oh, my God, Mutiny Radio. Like Jack Ferguson said, let's just get a God bless. Let's get a God bless. Thank God. Hey, Pam, let me get a God bless. Let me hear that hail bullshit. You know, I grew up religious myself, so naturally, as an adult, no longer religious. Naturally, as an adult, I'm no longer religious. So I understand not believing in God. You know what I mean? I understand that. I get it. I get it. What I don't get is the Hail Satan people. I really don't understand the Hail Satan people. I don't. Did we not read the same book? <laughs> 
You would much rather, you know, roll the dice on getting face fucked to death by the devil's dick. That's what you want. Hold on. No, no, no. That's uh, I'm talking about the hell Satan people. Like, did we not read the same book? You're gonna roll the dice on getting face fucked to death by the devil's dick. That's what that's what you're banking on. And then, uh, what is this hail? What is this Nazi Germany? Hail Satan? What? Are you kidding me? I'm not hailing anything except a cab to fucking run away from your psychotic ass. Good. Just kidding. As I'm much ju- as I'm you ju- want, Mark kidding, Noyer. Um, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Hail, what is this? Nazi Germany? I'm not hailing anything except a cab away from your crazy ass. But I hear the arguments. You know what I mean? I get the argument. I say things like this to people. And oh, oh, I got an argument. So I hear the arguments. Satan was the angel of a cheese fuck. Satan was the angel <laughs> of music and entertainment. The only angel of music and entertainment that I have is Ozzy. Okay? Okay? Okay. I don't know. Does it look like I fucking read? Cocaine, dog. Why don't you listen? I just told you. But, but, but Satan wanted us to have knowledge. He wanted us to be in the know, consciousness. Why would I want to know how fucked I am? Ignorance is bliss, baby. Bears don't give a fuck. Bears don't give a fuck. I want to be, a, I want to be the, like the, the bear. Sleeping all winter. Eating, fucking, they don't care. They don't give a fuck. They don't need to know anything. All they need to know is that they're a bear. It's the life. I, I, I live this life. I got I to gotta take whores on dates. I got to play pretend that I care about your fucking problems. I got problems, okay? I got problems. And it's going to be a problem if you bring your problems to me. Look. That joke just got done. I know I'm maturing. I know this. I'm maturing. I know this because I'm, uh, I'm now looking into buying candles. I'm maturing. I know I'm maturing because I'm looking into buying candles. I'm looking into it. But I had to stop when I saw the scent was Alabama. Why, why, why do I want my room to smell like Alabama? I smoke cigarettes my room. I chronically masturbate for hours in my room. I spill beer in my room. It already smells like fucking Alabama. Alabama No, Alabama is a scent of a candle that I saw on Amazon. It was in the men's department. Thank God. My room already smells like Alabama in the summer. I'm doing a lot of blow. So naturally get a little bit creepy on blow. I was with my chick the other night and I had my jewel and I was like, can I rip my jewel off your tits? Good. Chicks, uh, you got to love them, right? Chicks, they got vaginas. You got to love a vagina. If you like vagina, you got to love it, right? You know what I'm saying? 
The thing about, <laughs> it's not just white people. I know it's not just white people. That's oh, <laughs> I thought you said it's not just white people. I'm like, I'm pretty, my girlfriend taught me all about it's not just white people that like her pussy. Let me tell you. You just made me think of a joke. No, 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 no. My girlfriend fucking black dudes. I'm thinking about this joke. So, uh, fucking hate Twitter. I can't stand Twitter. You go on Twitter, everyone's, oh, it's okay, good, don't. Every, you go on Twitter, everyone's a fucking activist. Everyone has a new cause that they support. You go into any white girl's Twitter page, in the bio it says hashtag black lives matter. It's like, I get it, you fuck black dudes. But don't get it twisted, I'm like, Bonds, I'm not racist. My girlfriend fucks black dudes all the time. Anyways, I'm not grossed out by girls on their period, you know. Get in a relationship with a girl, like, she has to bring it up. You know, the first time that she has her period, she brings it up. Either she has a tampon in her purse. She's like, oh, you're grossed out. I'm like, I'm not grossed out. I'm just, I'm, I'm of the, I am of the mindset of why are we talking about your bloody pussy? You know? Like, I'll, I'll still fuck you on your, on your period. I will still fuck you on your period. No, I know. They're, fa- they're, they're so, they are blessed. They are blessed. They are blessed to f- have me fuck them on their period, okay? After I fuck a girl on her period, I feel like I've done something wrong. It's blood all over my dick, all over the sheets, your thighs, and your ass. It's just blood. I feel like I'm going to get a fucking knock on my door the next day. Like, sheriff's department. You know, like, I just feel like I've done something wrong. There should not be that much blood after sex. You know, it's like, I, what, are you okay? Good. Because I'm not. I'm not okay. Good. I know, I knew Pam wouldn't like that joke, but it's okay. I just have to, if I just bulldoze through the fucking, the screaming match, it just goes right on. And I love you, Pam. Just have to get right there. I'm not going to be a Jack Ferguson up here like, whoa, no, I'm just, shut up, Pam. I'm fucking talking about bloody cunts up here. Tired of being a man. I'm fucking tired of it. Just not enough to cut off my own dick. You know, like, what? I can't do that. I can't. I just, I don't, I, maybe just like tits. I can get tits, you know. It'd just be like the same Mark Neuer just with tits. Like, better than these tits, Pam. Could, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Am I walking Sam? Did Sam eat all the cheese? Now he has the toots he has to go? What happened? Where are you going? Where you oh, shut the fuck up. Put some pants on. Put some pants on. It's fucking winter. You have a, you have a jacket for this goddamn snow, and you're letting your calves. We get it. Your calves are fantastic. I jerk off to them every night. I know. This, you've been working for UPS since before it was just UP. You've been working for UPS since it was just up. Of course, Jesus wasn't white. Of course, he wasn't white. They would never fucking crucify a white man like that. You know what I mean? They would never, they would have never killed a white man with magic powers like that. It had to have been a brown dude with fucking curly hair. You know what I mean? They're not going to, anyways. I'm glad you chuckled at that, Mike Bonds. You liked it? Good. That's okay. I don't, I don't like half the shit in this fucking book, Mike Bonds. I love the sign, Drive Like Your Kids Live Here. I love that sign. I feel like it means well until my dad drives down your street. He sees that sign. So he starts driving like his kids live there. He rolls past your house where your kids are playing in the front yard. But he's driving like those are his kids. So he slams on the brakes and hops out and beats the fuck out of your kids. Just not that great of a sign anymore. It's just not that fantastic. I'm not going to tell you the whole shroom story, but the first time I took shrooms, uh, I was at the beach in San Francisco with my with my uh, my friend, and for context, he has two strikes. He's a felon. 
and uh, and he wasn't on mushrooms. He was just really high on weed, and I was fucking rolling out of my mind. And uh, he wanted to be in the car. I didn't want to be in the car. I would have rather been anywhere else other than the car, but he didn't understand that because he wasn't on mushrooms. So we start driving, and I have to pee so bad that I'm convinced I'm going to die. It's convinced. It's like this is over. It's done. The death of, of not being able to pee is going to be horrible. We're in this brand new truck. We're right here, right, befo on, right before market. It's like 7th. It's like Hyde, whatever, whatever that turns out. I think it's Hyde where the precinct is at. My, my pulse, my, my shit is I just feel like I'm going to die. And I'm on mushrooms for the first time. So it's like kind of a feeling um, that I was convinced is real. My pulse has got to be fucking crazy. Right here, my phone. Convinced, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking die, dude. I'm gonna die. I'm telling my friend, I'm like, I'm in a full blown panic attack, just freaking the fuck out on the phone with one friend. They're not, these people don't like each other right now. So I'm, and this year is this guy was my best friend. This guy's another really good friend, and they're yelling at each other back and forth. Meanwhile, I'm freaking the fuck out, and we're right in front of the cop, there's a bunch of cops, and I'm, I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm gonna pee so bad, I'm gonna die. And I, I, I pulled out a water bottle, I was like, dude, I'm gonna pee, just don't look, I'm gonna pee in this bottle. It was a little bottle, and I got a lot of it not in the bottle. And uh, it was all over his brand new car, and I'm like worried. Like now I'm like, oh my god, that's, he's gonna hurt me. And uh, I was like, dude, I just I'm gonna should I ask a cop? Should I ask a cop to check my my pulse? Should I? He's like, no, dude. Why would you talk to the cops? I was like, well, that's my mentality. I'm like, I've talked to a billion cops. Why wouldn't I? I am in need. Of, I am in dire need right now. I am going to die. I'm going to die, and you're gonna tell me not to talk to the cops because you're scared of the cops. I am not as scared of the cops. I'm as scared of God. I'm scared of seeing Jesus right now. I'm going to be alive one second and then pff, God time, you know, God time. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. That's why I don't litter. I don't litter because when I die, I'm going to have to talk to somebody. The last thing I want to talk about is fucking littering. The time I hit a chick in the face, that's, we could talk about that. You know, me and, me and Jesus or me and you know, the missus, whatever she is, can talk about real things, not littering. Littering is it's so, such a, that's a, that is a pointless sin. That is pointless. Right here. Pointless. Pointless. And you're going to have to talk to Jesus about it when you die. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for every time you threw a fucking cigarette butt out your window? Ready? It is coming. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. See, that's what I'm saying. That's why I needed my pulse checked by the cops. But he wasn't ready for that. Big D wasn't ready for that. Two-strike felon, not ready for that. Not at all. Not at all. Good. I'm glad we got that out of the way. The new part of that that makes it a joke is that I'm not as scared of the cops. I'm as scared of God. Thank you. You have one minute. Can do it. I love I love Snapchat because Snapchat isn't Twitter and there's never mind. I love Snapchat because they have Snapchat memories. So like a year ago, me and my ex girlfriend, we she was pregnant, and Snapchat reminded me it was like, oh wow, look at this. And unfortunately, Snapchat doesn't know that we got an abortion. <laughs> fuck science! Can I get a fuck science? Fuck science! 
They t- uh, you, wa- you watch any news, any CNN, any Democrat, they're like, trust the science. Fuck science. I don't trust science. Science gave us meth. Why would I trust that? Why would I trust science? Are you out of your mind? You're out of your mind. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Anything. Chemistry gave us crack. <laughs> All right, I'll stop at this one. Uh, oh, no, I'll stop at this story. Uh, you guys know Mr. Weed? This one time, Mr. Weed, I w- I've been a broke fuck for a long time. I know you guys don't need to flex on me. Just hold, check your privilege at the door next time. That's all I got to tell you. Check, check, your, check your fucking privilege. And Mr. Weed, being the saint that he is, used to buy me like, he'll buy like a pack of smokes. He bought me a Chardonnay one time. Yeah, oh yeah, he, lo- he loves his wine. He loves his wine. He never booked me for his shows, but he would always buy me shit. And God bless his soul. And this one time, I didn't have any weed, so he gave me a nug of weed. And then I didn't have any gas money, so he bought that nug of weed for me for $20. <laughs> That's fucking incredible. Mr. Weed is such a special fucking human being, and it's such a shame that he only has like 45 more seconds to live. Because he's such an old, almost dead fuck. And I love him so much. I just wish he would have booked me. No, I know. You're the only one. You have it all. Shout out to Pam. Has it all except money. God bless her soul. If only she had rich parents. Oh, wait. I know she does. You don't, you, you don't just come out of Danville. You know what I mean? I, let me tell you something. I'm from Ripon, California. And I'd never even heard of a Danville. Okay? Never. Not one time. And I come out here, and every fucking person, every fucking person who isn't wealthy is from fucking Danville? That's fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. That's where Jack's grandparents were originated. They created Danville. (laughs) I'm on your ass next, East Coast motherfucker. Fuck your mustache. What's his grandpa's name? His grandpa's name is Samuel. Is it really? He's trying to be, he's trying to do a little ha-ha. He's trying to make a tee-hee. Well, it's my turn. <laughs> he got up here and shit his dick the whole five minutes he was up here, but now he wants to take my time to do his tee-hees. I don't give a fuck. You were up here for eight minutes, still picking the cheese out of your fucking teeth, okay? I can smell it off your tongue. You ever smoke so much weed? How much weed did you smoke? That my tongue felt like a cat's tongue. You ever smoke so much weed you can actually taste the cotton mouth? This is my last joke, I promise. You ever smoke so much weed that your your mouth is as dry as Gandhi's sandals? Good night. Yay! We got comments. Comments from Mark Neuer. Listen, sir. First, I would like to to commend that set. It's a great set. Uh, I think I really think that the Satanist joke has legs, but I think you should explore the stupidity of like, like you believe in Satan, mm. and yet you think like they have to both believe that the Lord of Darkness exists, mm-hmm. and then also be like, yeah, that's the guy I'm gonna try and make you know like worship and make a deal with, you God know? Bless. Like, have you like have you read anything about the shit that Satan is is right. for? Right. You know, like he's trying to fuck you over, right? right. That's no. like worshiping like uh like you have to come up with an example, but like worshiping someone who's specifically trying to fuck you over. Well. You know no, what I mean? Satan like, isn't trying to fuck you over. It's about, he's saying that selfishness, 
um, the the whole precept behind Satanism is that thinking about yourself is the no, highest. No, I know good. what Satanists actually believe. Right. But He's got I a good point. Most people but don't. Most people. But it's not. It's 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 not about necessarily Satan because Satanists are like, eh, the Satanists are Satanists, not. The Satanists concept. don't actually believe in God, but right, people but who actually worship Bamphomet, like the the you know the Lucifer, evil demon, which Lucifer. I think if you're playing on this joke. Most people don't know like the right. the theology behind what Satanists actually believe. Right. You could just make it like they're trying. They believe in this person or this thing that is literally trying to condemn them to right. an eternity of fire and brimstone. Like, what are you getting no, out of but that? That's you know, the, that's I think the it's God a good premise. Side of it. I don't think that if you're a Satanist, you don't believe in. But it. I, Pam, I understand what you're like. You're coming at it from an actual knowledge perspective. <laughs> yeah, you have like, <laughs> like education. The, like, I don't think I don't you, think audiences know as much as Pam does. <laughs> about you know some shit, Pam. I feel like the most audiences know. don't know what Pam knows about <laughs> the Bible. But then, why you know? not be? Why like, not use the real knowledge instead of just because it's not funny? Because I don't read books. That's I it. don't like read books. If you were to, you were to no. say like, listen. See, that's good. Then mention that you don't read books. I did. Be like, here's what Satanism I is did. about, and I don't read books. I so, did. Yeah. I but did. Like, no, that's good. like you yeah. believe in this guy who's literally trying to make you live with a pitchfork up your ass. Right. And that's what you're trying to go for. Like, what do you like? You know, that's the that's. I think you could expand on that. Is what I'm Thanks, saying. Thanks, Jack. I think it's all funny. about butt play. Is what no. he's saying. Very funny. <laughs> isn't it, isn't yeah, everything? You know, make, <laughs> make it a gay joke. Yeah. Absolutely. That was where the face fucking. You know, play. and it is just gay dudes that are in the fucking. That's it true. Is, you said it's just Sam gay dudes. Um, well. So That's back to so um, <laughs> back to your back to you back to you throwing into the ladies um, the, having okay. periods and whatnot. I knew it was coming. If you are yeah, but if you're gonna talk about it and you're gonna talk about bloody pussy, then at least like beat up that pussy and make it bloody. Yeah. Like say yeah. like like I I do like well like that. An, Whereas that old joke where it's like, man, I don't like, I don't mind fucking a girl when she's on her period. I just pretend I'm killing her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whose joke is that? I'm just beating is up that, that who, pussy. Is that, did I've you just come up with that? Whose is that? No, that's, I forget his name. Oh, it's a like joke. A okay. A I was about to steal that right from you right now. You're about to hear it live. Well, I was going to be like, poof, that's mine. If you're going to beat up that <laughs> pussy and make it bloody, then. Yeah. And, uh, huh? Yeah, murdered it. Yeah, right, right. And uh, that's kind of the idea of like, I feel like I've done something wrong after I've had sex with you on your period because right. it's so bloody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've done something wrong. Yeah, that you should be, um, you should get a, a restraining order. Right, or like I'm going to get a call by the police, so they're going to come to my door. Right. <laughs> the police don't, yes. Yeah, well, that's why I did that. I said the sheriff's department, but I don't, I'm kind of fucking it's retarded. What you just did with your beer against the back wall yeah. is great, and I'd put the uh, I'd put the microphone and do that and knock, 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 knock. I think that's cute. Knock, 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 knock. Can I do a trial run real quick? Just one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Rich Voss. That's the guy who's uh, killing her. There you go. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> Let Sam, us in. Sam, did you have we to say something? We heard you beat up that pussy. We heard you murder that pussy, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, Pam, I hear you. I hear you. God bless. That's fantastic. I was gonna say I like I like the joke about your dad uh, driving like your kids live here. Thank you. And your dad getting out of the car and beating the shit out of you kids. Yeah. Because yeah. you guys are fucking idiots. I think you no, can yeah. expand it a little more and be like, yeah, like uh, my dad. I lost one of my siblings that got hit by a car on our street, and my dad's was pissed off that they put fucking speed bumps on the street. Because my dad wasn't even going that fast when he hit him. Yeah. <laughs> or I feel like that's a, str a variant of a street joke. Or if you really want to just like tighten it up, you could be like. No pun intended. If you, you could be like. I 
if you, want, if you want to just make it like super short and punchy, you could be like, I was driving in the car with my dad, and he saw one of those signs that says, drive where your, like, your kids live here, so he stopped the car and beat the shit out of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Which is the same joke you did, but just like, if you want to make it as quick as possible. Yeah. Never. Never. Drawn out, I'm going to be very unsuccessful. Uh, did you have anything, Mike Bonds? I'm just milking it for the time. <laughs> Okay. We're talking about Emmett Till. I was like, God damn it, not again. I didn't do it. Emmett Till is not my fault. Clap I love wildly. you guys. Thank you. Clap wildly for Mark Neuer. Yeah, Mark. Marcus. Sure, you can introduce the next comedian. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage next is the always incredibly sexy, the stunning, the one and only Jennifer Garcia. Thanks, bud. I'd rather catch COVID than feelings. Uh, I broke up with someone recently, and you know you have something special when you miss a man's balls. Uh, I, I just think that I'm going to take a new approach to dating when I first start dating. Like, I, th I figure I should act the most rambunctious and wild and crazy, like, right out the gate. Like the first, like the first date, I should like get in a fight, get kicked out of a bar, maybe steal something, possibly get arrested, maybe even like get half naked, throw feces, because if they make it to the second or third date, then it's all uphill. Everything's a fucking improvement. I think getting to know someone when you first meet them is annoying as fuck. Because the reality is, when you first meet someone, you're just presenting the best version of yourself. All these motherfuckers seem the same right out the gate. They're like using their manners, they're being polite, but it's annoying. They want to know shit like a fucking psycho killer. You know, just like little details about your life. Where do you work? Send me a pic. Are you home alone? Like, are you going to fucking kill me? I've been waiting for you, dude, finally. I won't kill myself, but I'll easily try to get murdered. I don't know, suicide is for pussies. Just like, we're not in the 1600s walking through shit to get to the market. It's just like, if you're going to kill yourself right now in, in the age that we live in, you're a fucking asshole. You should have stuck around, stuck around for cancer or something. So um, I'm Native American. I have brothers and sisters on the res. My dad's full-blooded. But I didn't meet him until I was 30, and that's how I knew I was really Native American. I went back on the reservation, and, like, I saw a baby at a bar. And I know that's, like, some old joke, but I legit saw that shit, and I'm like, only on the fucking res. What the hell's going on here? I ate Top Ramen and deer meat. That's so fucking Native. Like fried bologna sandwiches and deer meat and top ramen. Let's see. Yeah, it was weird. Like my brother's six foot, and like it was crazy because like ten years ago when I went out there, like they were celebrating Thanksgiving, and I was just like, "That's so fucked." 
brother, what the fuck are you doing? Like, there's a lady across the street on Thanksgiving. She's white as fuck, knocking on the door, Bible thumping. Are you going to, you know, do something about this? He's just super tall, looks so fucking native, and he just takes a joint. Yeah, I'm going to take care of it. And I was like, no. He goes out there, doesn't do shit. He just talks really nice. Like, everyone's cool out there, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's like the one place that if, like, there's World War III, like, like Trump at the beginning of this year was going to start World War III, I told my sister, I was like, yeah, he assassinated fucking Soleimani, and, like, he didn't ask for permission, and shit's going down with the nuclear warheads. He's like, chill the fuck out. The best place to be is on the res. No one gives a fuck. And that's so true. I keep meeting sisters every fucking year. I have, like, six sisters. One I met last year. That's how I also know my dad is a whore. <laughs> uh, but it's like a friendly surprise. I just get a random fucking phone call. Uh, one sister I knew I had for a couple years, and uh, I was kind of pressured, just call her, just call her. You know, she lives in Chicago. I called her and pretended to be a bill collector. I just have one of those voices. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we met. <laughs> I thought you were collecting, gonna repo my car. No, I'm your sister. Um, let's see, I'd like to thank um, bacon and butter, copium, uh, copious amounts of cocaine, and a large amount of stress to my future heart attack. I just, I feel like if I say it, I might like throw off the universe and I won't have a heart attack. Um, have you ever been so high? Some, someone said, have you ever been so high? I was so high, I thought I was a lesbian. That's how you know you're high. Or like, have you ever been so high you felt your spirit like come out of your body and you're like, no! And you're like, get the fuck back here. That's high. Um, I've never been on Tinder. And uh, I had some millennials like adopt me earlier uh, la or late last year. Those motherfuckers were going on three Tinder dates a day, a 10 and a 3 and a 6, just trying to play the numbers, trying to get laid and shit. I was super excited watching them, like you boys. I'm like, okay, guys, help me make a fake Tinder profile. It's going to be funny. And uh, so I had this whole, like, diatribe I was going to put in a fucking paragraph, and they're like, bitch, no one reads on Tinder. I'm like, what? I don't know. That was shocking for me. For a And that's a wrap. Thanks so much. Jen Garcia. No one reads on Tinder. No one reads in real life, sweet baby. <laughs> no one knows how to read. We've got stuff to we got stuff to say. Yeah, you gotta stay up there. You gotta She's letting Jose in. You gotta stay up there. She's letting Jose in. Oh, okay. Oh. So friendly neighborhood Mexican. Hey, what's up? Um, what's up, baby? Hey. Hey. Jennifer so, uh, Garcia, you killed it. We got we got comments. Uh, Yo, Jen, yeah, I yeah. I would love to I would love to hear uh, more about like life on the res. That was super funny when you talked about like them cel like celebrating Thanksgiving on the res. That's hilarious, and that's something like you never meet someone who grew up on. I mean, I feel like I never do. I'm sure you've met a bunch of people. Because you're so white and exactly, rich. yeah. But I feel like pretty. I mean, for most people, it's a pretty rare thing. 
And so I feel like if you were to talk more about that experience, you could make it really funny and it'd be really interesting for people. Yeah. Like, I'd love to hear, like, what your family was, like, saying when they were celebrating Thanksgiving. Like, that is, like, right? like uh, you know. I don't know. My sister was just busy cooking. And they have, like, this great Minnesota accent. She's like, I'm putting the sausage in the bag or some shit. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What it's just fuck? such an ironic situation. It's hilarious, you know. I enjoyed, uh, in the beginning, you were talking about uh, where in the 1600s we're walking through shit. Uh, that happens in the Tenderloin. So you can actually right. make you can make like an homage from the 1600s and talk about how it's actually happening right now. Like in the 1600s, like when you're walking through shit. Yeah, anyone who kills themselves in the tenderloin right now, th those are the only people that'll get a free pass. Exactly, because they're literally walking through shit just like the 1600s. Yeah, I see that. Um, I enjoyed. I think top ramen with deer meat is an amazing punchline, and I would give it many, many seconds for everyone, because you just rolled right over it, and it was like, yeah. you just said top ramen with deer meat. <laughs> so, like, fucking Hellenated. stop and keep saying it again. Deer meat. <laughs> deer She's 100% right. That's super funny, yeah. It was, yeah. That was very, very funny. Thank you. Uh, bill collection questions. Yes. So, bill collection questions, you've got to have three questions. You open yourself up for a joke. Bill collection questions, you can ask anything. Like, why did you buy, like, what, <laughs> this, how much did this dragon dildo cost? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can go back to some of your other jokes. But when you talk about those bill collection questions, there's no reason for you not to ask three questions. Right. That and you know what's interesting is when I did make that call, my sister had just, um, she was in Chicago, and she w had just seen a mugging where someone had gotten like stabbed or something. And so I was on one line trying to collect on her car and she was like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? I just saw someone get stabbed, sister. I'm like, oh shit, okay. And that was our first conversation, like just so weird. But I have enough of them just like pouring out of everywhere. Like I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Pick three funny questions for the bill collector to ask. Like uh, when was the last time your sister was stabbed? Or something. Um, I, um, you did a cocaine joke, and I feel like you could say I feel like Robin Williams. Think, pick, pick any star from the '80s that pretty much died of cocaine. Um, who was the guy whose heart exploded? John Ritter. That's a good one. Oh yeah. Like, because uh, his heart exploded from cocaine. That was just that cocaine joke. Get the fuck back here. Oh, get the fuck back here, soul. There's an act out there. Like. Your soul is leaving your body, and oh it's yeah. like on a tether, and you can like literally like grab up to the heavens and try to get your soul back into your body. Yeah, just pretend there's a balloon on a string and like do an act out. Why not? You don't do a lot of act outs, but they're fun. Uh, play the numbers lottery. I don't know what that means anymore. I don't remember, but I wrote down play the numbers lottery. No one reads. That doesn't that. That oh, doesn't help play at the all. numbers was probably about Tinder. They were definitely oh playing right, the playing the numbers. Yeah, okay. that was amazing to see. All right, thanks guys. I was just gonna say, I was gonna say, in a nuclear fallout w in which we are exchanging warheads with Russia, a lot of our warheads are gonna come from reservations. Like we have a lot of nuclear silos on Native American land. BLM, yeah. thank you, BLM. Yeah, y'all, <laughs> just gonna be some like road this is going to open up and a warhead's going to fly out of it yeah that's where the fucking warheads are coming from not yeah. going to yes all right I, I yeah. liked your flying evil tonight 
And Flying Eagle dropping uh, nuke is a great name, <laughs> like for a baby. That's, like that's when funny. you don't Native Americans name native their baby name. whatever's outside, like dropping nuke, flying. I loved your stage presence tonight. You you really you know you just like you were there. You were you were in the moment. You were in the room. You weren't in your head. You weren't in your notebook. I was in my notebook tonight. Rock you were it. not. You rocked it. Thank you. All right, everybody, Jen Garcia, yay! <laughs> What? No, um, we'd like to welcome Jose? to the stage. No, the Jose guy. Pamela. Oh, he's, not a, he's not a comedian. Who is he? Oh no, no, it's fine. You don't have to be here. I didn't know. I thought he was a comedian. All right, now That's coming to the stage, she's gonna oh. talk about her pussy. Welcome, no, Pam Benjamin, everyone. <laughs> I actually do. I talk about my pussy all the time, Jack. I don't. I don't think I do that. Oh, that's nice. I actually didn't bring any edibles tonight. Surprisingly, I ate my own edibles earlier. I've got the puff pastry. This week, I'm I'm going to be, for Christmas, me and my cats are going to eat at Beef Wellington with pot pastry outside the Beef Wellington. But how many milligrams are they? And Right, I'm in. Cool. No, I don't have to. No, well, I mean, yeah. No, it's fine. I. No, I'm not that crazy. I already, I already took like 50 milligrams today. So, so when the guy today was asking me to look at his dick, I was like, thank God, I'm super high because. I was walking on the street and an African American gentleman decided to sort of accost me and like. Tell me I looked cute or whatever, and I'm like, that's nice, but I didn't ask that from you. And he followed me around for like three blocks, and he showed – I didn't look at his dick, but he pulled his dick out of his pants. First, he pulled out all of his drugs out of his pants. He's like, do you want this, honey? Do you want this? Do you want this? I got all of this, and I wasn't looking to all of his things. He's like, do you want a sip of this? you want this? I was like, no. And then he pulled out his dick, and he's like, you want to see my red button? And I was like, no. And I kept walking. And I saw some security guards, and I, like, gave them the eyes, like, help me. And nobody helped me. But you know what? In in the security guards' defense, they watched a guy shoot up on fucking federal property the other day, and they didn't do anything about that either. So I'm not – whatever. Like, they aren't worried about me. It was fine. I crossed the street. It was that easy. But I did feel – I did feel a little – remiss about not giving that african-american gentleman all of my time and attention because any man that asks me for attention if i'm not giving it to him i'm obviously a cunt right because every man deserves all of my attention anytime he asks for it because the guy on the street because of course the breathe, way I just, oh breathe, i'm wearing man. leggings oh i'm wearing leggings and a cute outfit today so of course i want your attention and i want you to talk about me and i'm so after you because i want you to tell me that i'm a pretty person Oh, no, because I don't have any self-esteem of my own. And without you telling me that I'm good-looking, what do I do with my life, crackhead? What could I possibly – how could I possibly have self-esteem without you telling me that I'm a good-looking person? Oh, my God. With my gray hair and me not wearing makeup, I'm not good enough unless you tell me I am guy on the fucking street who's doing crack and wants to show me his dick. Like – you offer me 17 bucks to blow you? Fuck your face. You think I'm worth $17? My God, I was married. 
Like, and he didn't even give me enough money. Are you I kidding like me? To imagine like, I like to imagine. I bought the house, and I, I still. I like I like to imagine that he had like nineteen dollars, and he was like, "All right, I'll give this bitch seventeen. I'll keep she's two." She's gonna bargain. <laughs> she's, gonna, she's gonna bargain a little bit, because and then. Because wow, wow. I would blow I? someone for seventeen dollars. It's a lot of money, you know. It depends on the cock. I would I would do it for more as well. I, <laughs> and how about this? I've paid my rent through May next year, so I don't need anybody's fucking help. And you're about no, to get six hundred bucks too. No, I would never need to for money. I Not know. that there's anything wrong with sex work, and I totally appreciate it. But <laughs> but it should have a W two, just like every other job. They call it the oldest profession, but nobody respects it. Oh, we it's do. the oldest profession in the world, except that you don't get any W two five hundred one k. What's get Kyle's joke about that? He's like the oldest profession. Life. Be like farming. No, you could be a wife. You could be a wife for thirty years. You can be a wife for thirty years, and your husband can be like, hey, a lot of money, and I and fuck you, you're old, and they can divorce you. You can get nothing. You don't have any. You have no social security. Kyle and was and like, if, if, get rid of you. if prostitution was the oldest you're profession, not good as a woman. Oh, you're done that means at some point someone was like, hey, listen, you're a prostitute. I'm a prostitute. How are we going to pay each other? <laughs> if, you're, if, if your worth as a person is only sex, then you should be paid legitimately for that work. And if you're not, like, what is what is work? Why is some work worth money and some work isn't? And why is passing around memos and making fucking code? That's real, except girls that fuck for money, they don't actually get anything? Oh. Well, there's engineers at Pornhub that get paid a lot of money. Yeah, you know, and are the, the women at Pornhub getting paid equitably? No. No, they're not. Maybe, no, but the woman not. on OnlyFans the are getting paid a lot. was never passed. How about this? The only time change happens with through revolution, and the only re- reason revolution happens is because of violence. And women didn't get the ERA in the seventies because women don't want to perpetuate violence. What's an ERA? Because there's a fucking play. Men, well, hold on, hold on, wait, wait. wait. I think we should also just take a moment to recognize the fact that men are much better at violence than women are. No, I, I do not think that's true. I do not think that's true. I do not think that's true. If we do one thing well, it is violence. I promise that's not true. That's absolutely true. No way. Women are way better at violence. Are you kidding? You guys are fucking crazy. Women are crazy. Get Mike Bonds on the mic. The, thing, the, the things, I'm not saying men aren't fucking psychopaths that are abusive pieces of shit. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that women could fuck up a dude methodically and violently. Oh, do and you very, have feelings very, that you never and show? Very, oh my god, do you have painful. emotions that you never show? Oh Pam, no, if you, are my Pam, emotions? if you pull off my oh, fucking... Sin. If you, take, if you, if you take a pair of hurt, pliers... I never show them. Have you to take, hide them. I have no emotions and I'm a guy. Except they're so deeply hurt. If you take a pair of needle-nose pliers to my fucking toenails, I'm going to show you all the emotion you want. We're going to show one emotion, which is pain. It's painful. I'm not, hold on, I'm not saying. What about the toenails in my heart, asshole? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> how did you get toenails in your heart, asshole? I want to know how you got your. Hey, what's that dude who got his dick cut off? Something with that. No, John Wayne Gacy did not get his dick cut off. He, he molested. He, John Wayne Gacy molested little boys and shoved their clothes down their throats. Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt chopped off her husband's dick because he was cheating on her and she was very mad. Listen, both of them got their dicks cut off. One emotionally, one physically. No, I, uh, women, women in the sex industry. I, I like what you said. Uh, the, the change. Mark, have you ever fucked a prostitute? Yeah, many. Many. Uh, oh my god. Couldn't what was pay the best them. Where? So the cool. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you this, and then I'll tell you the, the, my first prostitute story, which I didn't pay them. They paid me. It was fantastic. I was the prostitute. So 
Um, wow. Sex, wor- wow. sex work, I got game and dick, boy. What do you think? So, in the sex work industry, in the sex work industry, women, uh, there's like, there's two sides, right? There's two sides to every, every coin. Some women get paid very, very well. And then there's, there's women who do not get paid well by the industry. And, and, and my goal in, in, in becoming He's a manager women. and a, a becoming, ooh, that sexy motherfucker right there. Ooh, Jonathan, about to pay you for some sex work, boy. <laughs> so, tell you about sex work. Uh, w- when it comes to the industry, the industry's fucked. And we can all agree with that. The sex work industry is fucked. And the beautiful thing about being the last independent strip club in San Francisco, the crazy horse, and being the person who, who runs, you know, essentially runs that fucking club. I have been tasked with being the Bernie Sanders of strip clubs in the city. Oh my no, God. How uh, many? I got a question. Can you make t so that say you're the Bernie so Sanders? If, if so you say they're on their way. But if you go, you're talking about the crazy horse. That's legal sex work, right? But that's how right. much of that shit is under the table? That's what I've always wondered about it. You know, you go to a uh, strip club. You know, officer, like I would much lot. prefer if we had that.
Bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Always Free on the radio. Uh, this is Finch, and I'm coming to you from the city of Quillon in southern France in the Pyrenees Mountains. I've just left the European Rainbow Gathering in France, and uh, we have uh, a couple of musical tracks to bring you, as well as some, some comedy and some sounds from the Pennsylvania Prism Gathering that happened last month. And at the end of this show, the second half is going to be a longer conversation that was aired previously on the radio with Garrick Beck, one of our Rainbow founders. Uh, we also have a, a track for you uh, from YouTube, with permission from the creator, uh, about a sister who went to an international rainbow gathering and decided that maybe the hippie life isn't quite for her. Uh, what you just heard is some, some piano music from uh, Loop, who is a brother that uh, we met on the way out of the gathering, hitchhiking into town. Uh, it was getting late, and uh, a family at the house we were hitchhiking in front of, invited us in for the night, gave us beautiful beds, showers, amazing dinner, uh, music, and uh, all in all, we're the most hospitable strangers I may have ever met. Uh, so Always Free is a radio production usually coming out of San Francisco, California. You can listen to it by tuning in to mutinyradio.fm on any Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's San Francisco time. And you can also listen to episodes after they've aired uh, by subscribing to the archived podcast, which can be found wherever you get your podcasts by searching for the word always free spelled a-l-l-w-a-y-s-f-r-e-e -E, and that's all one word if you search for that podcast then you'll be able to update and get our two hour long episode every week as well as listen to the 60 some odd episodes that we've produced over the last year and a half enjoy the show and please tune in next week and every week for more sounds and news from the rainbow. Welcome home.
Welcome back, everybody. Um, my name is Dante, as you probably already know. I'm just here to, you know, basically the topic of today is going to be talking about basically my first experience at a rainbow gathering and kind of how I discovered that I'm not really a hippie and that I'm not as free-spirited and like cool and whatever as I thought I was. Um, I feel like amongst my friends, like I'm known as the person who's willing to like try some, you know, we'll say obscure things. Like I tried when I went to Peru, I tried ayahuasca. Um, and then I also, I went to like holistic doctors. Um, I did Ayurveda. Um, basically I like if, if, if there's something that so someone says oh yeah this is gonna bring you enlightenment or you're gonna like learn something or it'll be like a really interesting or cool experience or whatever I feel like I'm usually pretty open to like try it so I had got invited to this rainbow gathering by first I, I met this Brazilian girl randomly through somebody else and we were we went to go eat beans because that's what you do in Macedonia, apparently, especially on a Friday, you go and eat beans. So we went and ate beans, her and some other people, and she ended up inviting me to this rainbow gathering. And she's like, oh yes, it's all about love and like opening your heart and blah, blah, blah. And it's like a beautiful experience and I think you'd really like it. And so I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like really cool, like whatever. I didn't know really how much I would be into it. She was also talking about how like a lot of people get naked. And um, then it was also in the mountains. And I'm like, I know it's probably going to be cold. But anyway, a week later, I went out with this other girl that I had met like a week or so before, or maybe two weeks before. And like we went out and had a drink and we were like talking and hanging out. And then she told me about the festival as well, or not the festival, the gathering. And so I was like, okay, two people have told me about this and invited me to it. So maybe this is a sign. Cause I also am a person who like, maybe I'm meant to do this. Like maybe like, I don't know. I kind of believe in signs. So, um, after that I was like, okay, I really want to go, but I am a tourist here. I don't have a car. I don't speak the language. I really don't know my way around. I don't even know how to drive a manual car. Like in the U S most of the cars are automatic. So that's really all that I know how to drive. So I was like, I really don't know how I'm going to get to this place that's this many hours away and, you know, how this all, and then, and then, yeah, so that, that's, that's another thing. Um, then I found uh, three other people who were going, but they were all were people who like work here. So they're like, oh, I don't know when I'll be able to have time off from work. And so long story short, I went to Belgrade again for a week, which I had filmed the video there. Yes, I did. And so you guys know I was in Belgrade. And so while I was there, one of the people that I had asked about it called me and was like, or messaged me and was like, hey, I'm going to go this Friday. And so I wasn't planning on coming back to 
Macedonia until uh, Saturday, or I was going to take the bus on Saturday, probably get here on Sunday, because I actually had a tattoo appointment on Friday, which, this is my new tattoo, uh, you can kind of see it, maybe I'll see if I can add the picture in there, but anyway, long story short, everything kind of worked out even though it wasn't seeming like it was going to work out like the guy that I was going to go with or the guy that I was going with he ended up having like a work thing so then he couldn't actually leave on Friday like he planned the lady who was doing my tattoo had a cancellation so she ended up being able to move my appointment up and then even though the bus times weren't accurate because like they're, they're kind of weird with COVID the times aren't always up to date um but I was able to get like a bus and be able to get here by like basically Saturday morning at four in the morning, which or four thirty in the morning, which was perfect because uh, then the guy that I was going with he wasn't going to be leaving until like ten or ten thirty, so I could take like a like power nap. But basically, long story short, or not even short because this is not even this is just the beginning. Um, it was very very like rushed, and I also had a friend. Oh, this is another thing that kind of like worked out that was kind of like amazing is. Um, I didn't have like a tent. I didn't have a sleeping bag. I didn't have like any of those things. And also while I was in Belgrade, one of my other friends who I didn't even know was going, uh, told me that he was going, but he's going by bike and that, um, asked if I could take his tent and his sleeping bag and everything up there. So that way he didn't have to carry all that with him on his bike. And so that was perfect because I didn't have a bike or I mean, I didn't have a sleeping bag. I didn't have a tent. I didn't have any of these things. So long story short, I was like, oh, wow, like everything is coming to alignment. This is like meant to be. It's going to be this amazing, beautiful experience. Like, I don't know. I thought I was going to have like this soul life changing experience. Um, so we like go um, like my, my friend comes and picks me up on Saturday morning and we set off on this adventure. And it's like a really nice. We like talking because also this is also very rare. And I feel like everything in life with me is random because like I had met the guy that I ended up going up there with I had met him one time like two weeks ago or so and hadn't really had that much communication with him in between except to tell him hey like let me know if you go to this festival because I want to like drive with you so like basically on the drive up there we were like getting to know each other and like talking a little bit more and um, we got lost because the, the instructions on how to get to the place aren't really, really clear like um, it's kind of like a word-of-mouth thing. I think um, I, I think that there is a website. I don't actually I don't know I don't know from what I understand. It's a word-of-mouth thing and whatever And so the directions are like very not clear and Then they don't really have signage because it's not really like a public event. It's kind of like a private uh, secret, I don't know event. I don't know how to describe it and so um, we, we get there and everybody is basically like it's it's cold and everybody is like barefoot like everybody nobody's wearing shoes like there's like maybe two people out of i, I would say five percent of the people are, are are wearing shoes everybody else the other 95 are not wearing shoes and um i don't know like i just feel like it like everybody was very friendly everybody was really really warm and very nice i just feel like it seems to me that and I hope that I'm gonna exp explain or express this in the right way because I don't want it to to come off the wrong way. 
I just feel like there's still like in society, like this is the kind of like a, okay, we're anti-society, anti them putting their rules. But then I feel like you go into this other society and then there's all these rules of what you're not supposed to do and what you're, what's not allowed. Like, um, for instance, at one point I was hungry. Like they, like there's like a food circle twice a day, or at least at this one that I went to, we had a food circle like twice a day. So if you were hungry, any other time, like I was eating some bread and then the girl was like, uh, oh, you're really not supposed to eat like as an individual in public. Like you're not supposed to just be eating by yourself, like amongst other people, you know, by yourself. Like that's not, that's not acceptable. And I know that when we went there, like it's mostly like, it's well, not mostly, it is vegan. Um, so that was another thing I had brought. I have like I have a candy addiction. I'm not gonna lie, I am addicted to candy. So I bought some Haribo gummy bears, and so I was eating my not even gummy bears. They were like these um, Haribo strawberry things, and uh, so I was eating my little strawberry candies. And then the guy, one of the guys, like made a comment about that, like, oh, you know that has animal products in it, and I just don't eat anything that has a face and blah blah blah. And so, I don't know, like, it was just, I, I had also bought, like, uh, the, one of these cans of, like, it was, like, soda water, and I, and then, like, my friend told me, oh, no, you're not supposed to eat that in the circle because, or drink that in the circle because that's consumerism and blah, 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 but I'm like, I can have a bottle of water from the city that I bought or whatever, but I can't have, like, soda water, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know, like, I just, I guess I just don't like, like, I thought it was going to be like this free love, whatever. Yes. Okay. You don't, don't litter, don't litter, don't, don't, you know, have trash everywhere. Like those things make sense, but I don't like those like kind of things where we're supposed to be so free and like whatever, but then we're going to judge you because you are eating in public or because you like gummies or like, I don't know, like, I just, I just didn't like it. And then like, everyone's like, oh, well, uh, well, with your shoes, if you take, like someone told me, well, for me, like when I take off my shoes, my body acclimates to, to nature and like that regulates my body temperature. And I felt like I was kind of being judged a little bit for like keeping my shoes on the whole time. And then I guess you're not supposed to come in with your shoes into the circle. And then, um, basically every time before you eat uh you have to sing you hold hands and you sing songs and that's all fine and dandy but then like i feel like sometimes some people like keep on going with the songs and sometimes you're hungry and you just want to eat your food and you don't want to like just hold hands and sing you want to like sit down and eat and just in enjoy it. and then i also feel like i already like it's, and it's really crazy because the thing is i went to burning man and I know Burning Man, like I know a lot of people are like, oh, Burning Man isn't what it used to be, whatever. But I, I, I bring it up to say that I was there for, I forgot if it was seven or eight days. And even though I wasn't showering, showering, oh, I, don't, I feel like I'm not saying, I'm not pronouncing that right. But even though I wasn't showering, I didn't feel dirty like I don't know I, I felt dirty but it was it was like a different kind of dirt and I don't know if it's maybe because like we were in the mountains we were with the trees there was bugs everywhere um maybe that's why I felt more gross and I feel like also 
I was peeing outside. And I feel like I don't know what it is with me and peeing outside, but I think I just have a very strong pee stream. I think that's what it is. Because whenever I pee outside, it comes out with so much force that it sprays on my pants, sprays on my shoes. Sometimes like I have to like lean back because it'll like, try to spray. Like I just feel like, so I feel like being outside, peeing outside, I feel like I was like always like covered in pee. Like I feel like I always had pee on me. And like there, it was too cold. Like, it, like you're in the mountains. So of course the river is cold, then it's cold outside. So then I didn't feel like super comfortable like cleaning myself in the river because I knew I was just gonna be like really, really cold. And also long, I, I forgot to mention this part in the story. So my friend who like gave me stuff for camping um, he didn't have a sleeping bag. Um, he, he had a sleeping mat that I could sleep on, but there was no sleeping bag. So um, I had to share a sleeping bag with the person that I went up there with, and it was it was really cold. We'll just say that. Like, I had my coat. I had on two pairs of socks. I had on two pairs of pants. I had on, like, uh, three two shirts and a sweatshirt and like still tried to cover my face because I was like my face was like so cold like I was just really cold and so um yeah like I don't know maybe I think maybe it would have been a different experience if it was somewhere hot that had water and I could go into the water or waterfall and like clean myself but I just felt like really like gross the whole time but okay I don't want to just say all all bad things because it was people were very loving I, I got lots of hugs um, and it was it was a very good experience to see like people working together and people willing to to I don't know give of themselves like um, in order they knew that more people were coming I went like early um, early in the process so I know it's, there's they said there's gonna be more stuff going on and more people are coming but they were like they were digging steps to make it so that way people could have clear paths to get to where they needed to go. Um, they were creating tarps over the shit pit so that way you could poop without having rain get on you or rain get in the poop and overflow that. And so I feel like I don't know, like it was really like shows you like people doing like acts of service, which I think is really amazing and really really wonderful um yeah so and, and i and I, I don't know people were very friendly like i met a lot of wonderful people i learned about a lot about like a, a lot about a lot of different lifestyles um i just don't know if it's for me i feel like maybe i think i'm too uptight i i don't mind um i don't know because like there, like it's the whole thing lasts for like a month almost um and so I can't imagine being there for a whole month. Like I was there for three days, like two nights, three days. And for me, that was the perfect amount of time uh, because by the time I came back, I smelled awful. Um, I felt dirty. Um, like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's really, and, and, and the thing is, I'm not like this like super uh, clean, like, ooh, like, I don't know. I'm not that prissy kind of girl, but, but I guess, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why that, that I was. Like I said, I went to Burning Man. I was there for seven, eight days. I maybe showered one of the days or two of the days I was there, but it just felt different. And maybe you would think it would be worse because it's hot, but maybe because the dust 
or alkaline i know it's called like alkaline powder or whatever from the alkaline bed of the lake i don't know what it's called but i don't know if maybe that's the reason why it felt a little bit i felt cleaner there oh and then okay so then this is another thing so we hiked back down from the mountain and we're about to get in the car to come back um he's gonna drop me off at my house and um it's about a two hour drive and basically um there was this guy down there and he uh, saw me and he was like oh I love your energy I love your spirit and your soul and then he wanted me to sit down with him and so he's just like no we have to do the rainbow handshake or whatever and he like basically put his hand on my heart and put my hand on his heart and then we were basically doing like a meditation kind of thing or whatever you want to call it and so he was like oh do you hear the birds blah 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 I just assumed that he was just like one of these spiritual guys or whatever. And so then he was asking me about if I was going to stay. And I said, no, I'm leaving. I said, I have to, cause like, I don't, I don't think I've really talked about this too much. Like I'm tr currently trying to do this teaching English as a foreign language. I'm also currently trying to do this website, uh, as a way to earn income. So that way it'll hopefully allow me to stay and not have to go back to the U S and so I'm working on a couple of things and he was like, oh no, you have to open your mind. Um, there's actually, you know, a better way. You don't have to, to live your life this way. You can travel with me. He asked me if I met this other person on the mountain. I said, oh yeah, I met them. And he's like, yeah, he's been traveling with me for a year. This is my RV. You can travel with me for a year. And this man is probably around... I would say in his mid 40s, maybe a little bit older. Actually, I'd probably say older. I would say older, maybe late 40s, early 50s. So I'm just thinking like he's just a spiritual man. I'm not thinking like anything other than that. And so I'm like, yeah, no, I got to go back, whatever. And so then we get in the car and then he, uh, my friend goes up to circle around to come back. And basically when he does that, the guy puts his thumb out. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I want to go to Skopje now, too. So I'm thinking, because he's like a traveler. He's been all around the world. He's traveled everywhere. And so I'm thinking, okay, he probably has friends in the same city that I live, because it's a big city. Or not a big city, but one of the main cities. So I'm like, he probably has a friend here. And so he gets in the car. He he just brings, like, a few pairs of clothes, his ukulele, and, like, uh, I think a violin. And he, like, gets in the car. So, like I said, it's about two hour drive, and he was like, he he had asked me, and I should, I'm gonna mention that he asked me, oh, do you want me to? I can, or would you? Is it okay if I give you a massage, like rub your shoulders? I was like, oh yeah, that's fine. But then, like, I feel like I immediately regretted it because, like, I feel like, like I said, I've been on, I've been on this thing for for two two days. People like massage, people give you hugs, like it's not a big deal. But he like kept stroking my neck, touching my hair touching my hair like it was just like it was just like too much and then like I like when I when I was trying to use my phone he was like no no you need to focus you need to focus you need to be present but keep in mind like I have been in the mountains for three days um I know how my parents are I know how my family is they like freak out if they can't get a hold of me so I wanted to make contact and then he's like no hand contact so then the whole like for probably like an hour of the drive I'm having to hold this man's he's in the back seat like holding this man's hands like this and I was like this is just so awkward 
So we get about 40 minutes out from um, basically where I live. And then this is when he's like, oh, I don't have a place to stay. Can I stay with you? And at this point, I'm like, no. Normally, like, I'm like a pushover. But in this situation, I was like, this is super awkward. It's super weird. He's been, like, stroking my my neck, like, stroking my hair. Keep, like, uh, like it's just, it's just weird. It's just a very weird situation, and it's uncomfortable. And um, so I'm like, no. I said, I, I, I have a lot of things I need to do. Um, I need some time by myself. And then he's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just walk the streets all night. Keep in mind, in Macedonia, there is a curfew for midnight. So you're not even allowed to be on the streets after midnight. So I really don't know what he's going to do. And I'm sorry, I feel like I'm looking at this and I'm like, this video is already 20 minutes long. So I'm going to try to like shorten this. Uh, long story short, fortunately, my friend who I went with was very nice. And he's like, um, I, I have some money. I can get you uh, a hostel and then this man was like okay maybe we can meet for lunch but if you don't show up it's fine so i didn't show up because i didn't want to meet him for lunch and then he basically messages me he goes to a store and he messages me and is like oh you said that you were going to travel with me you said that you were going to give up this worldly life and you know basically recenter yourself i don't know and I was like, no, I, I, I never said that. But then he like called me and then he wants me to Facebook message him. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just really weird. Because also, like, keep in mind, like, he we, when we're in the car and we're making this drive, he's talking about how he really wanted to have uh, a children. And then I was like, oh, well, do you have any children? And he was like, yes. And I'm like, oh, where are they? They're with their mom. To me, that's like so crazy. You want children so bad, and they have he has two. There's two different uh, mothers, and it's just so crazy to me that you want to have children so bad, but then your children are not with you, and you seem to be like kind of okay with it. You're like, oh well, it's their mom's fault or their decision. I don't know. I don't know. Take this with a grain of salt. Like, I I guess. I, I, I feel like I, I think I just got the wrong impression. I had thought one way. I just thought, I, I guess you just have to ask questions. Ask questions, people. Uh, don't, don't assume. Uh, otherwise, you may end up in some awkward situations that you really don't want to be in. And I feel like I find myself in these awkward situations quite often. And you would think that at this point, I would know better to like ask some questions and to say no when things are getting very weird and cr and creepy and i mean i did say no about him staying with me and i did not meet him and i'm not gonna message him and i don't think he's like a bad person like i think he's probably a fantastic he's a great person it's just that i'm not i guess at that point in my life where i'm ready to just you know give up my life and go live in the woods or 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 whatever i feel like i, I do like having a little bit of independence and decision making as far as what I'm going to do so um sorry that this is so long I, I guess it kind of turned into a a rant and I did not mean for it to turn into a rant because like I said I think it's really beautiful for a lot of people I think it's a life-changing experience I just want to say that uh but just for me I think I'm too uptight and um I don't think I'm as free as I thought I was
But sometimes you have to have these experience. So maybe it was meant to be, maybe I was meant to go to realize, hey, I'm kind of traditional in some ways. I'm not as, woo, as I, as I thought I was. You know, Burning Man is not um, a indicator of you being free. And I guess I, I do have to admit, even with Burning Man, I really struggle with the porta potties. Like to me, having a clean bathroom and a comfortable place to use, yeah, having a comfortable place to use the bathroom is so important to me. I think that's one of the most important things to me. Um, but anyways, um, I will leave it at that. And if you guys have any questions or comments, um, please leave those below and please. Uh, like and subscribe and yeah I, I actually already have some other things I want to talk about as well but I feel like this video was already too long so I will leave it at that I so uh, scan the pages and read the news, the dirty stories and facts, abuse and 
Everywhere I read, it seems that Elvis is still in their dreams. But it's more than strange to hear some knave say, Elvis has risen from the grave. As I figure they found him there, a heap of flab with an empty stare. And hauled him out like a load of lead, cause Elvis was already dead. Now way back when, they tell the story, the biggest hit was, That's Amore! The hit parade was full of fluff when some folks said, let's call the bluff. The ink spots splashed and the platters spun. And while Joe McCarthy was undone, a young white dude from Tennessee heard the beat and said, that's for me. This kid named Elvis got this wishing to be a crazy bop musician. So he hit some notes on his guitar, jumped into a big old car, did some gigs down south in Nashville, and have to say he wasn't bashful. He'd shimmy and he'd shake his hip and raise his head and twist his lips, open up and start to wail like something that came out of jail. Made them dudes all jump and shout like someone had just let them out. And little girls of the younger said, roll their eyes and just got wet. Well, the colonel said, this ain't no joke. Let's steal more tunes from the colored folk. So they hit, they Hmm, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they, they, let me see now. Yeah, they, let's steal more tunes from the colored folk. So they, so they put, put some notes out and hit, played Hound Dog, made hit like falling off a log. And they put them on Ed Sullivan and every other mother's son Figured this must be the end as they watched his body bend and twist into a jillion shapes and made them all want to be apes. They put out some more 45s and I must admit things came alive. And rock and roll came on big, so much soul it made the pigs snort and bluster and make a smell saying, Stop that stuff, we're going to hell. The kids replied, You're just a slug. Commence to do the jitterbug. So Elvis knew he was on top and Figured like he couldn't stop when a colonel said it would be groovy to make a bunch of real bad movies. <laughs> so Elvis soon was on the screen turning all the critics green with poses, cameos, and whatnot, and a bunch of songs that you forgot. Pointless scenes and plotless ditties. But fortunately, he was pretty. So adulation, fame, and money came so fast it wasn't funny. And so it goes when you're a star and don't remember who you are. Seems that you're just what they see and that is all you learn to be. And that's how Elvis saw himself like a caricature on the shelf. And when his pelvis went to his head, Elvis was already dead. Good evening, my name's Gladys. Uh, gonna try to be a little bit funny. God, so hard to remember how... Uh, I moved to a different city recently, and you know, when you do something like that, it can be so hard to meet new people. But boy, it's easy to meet old people. <laughs> They're eager to talk. Just right, just right on the bus. That's how I met my grandpa, actually. Uh, during COVID, been up to a lot of writing. Get a lot of writing done. I wrote a prequel to Jaws. No. <laughs> it's called No Sharks Here. <laughs> Shark Free Town. I wrote a prequel to The Exorcist. It's called This Girl's Fine. She's normal and shit. 
I was in line at the bank with my boyfriend. He pointed at some of the tellers. He said, hey, marry, fuck, kill. And I said, uh, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> so I come, I come from one of those big southern families in the south, uh, the deep south, let me tell you. One of those places where they think that, like, Sprite is good for you because it's clear. <laughs> and they reuse the name Chris a lot in my family. We got, like, four Chrises. We got little Chris. We got my cousin, big Chris. We have my brother, city Chris. And even though my brother is both taller than Big Chris and has a lower BMI than Little Chris, they call him City Chris because he got caught reading a book in a duck blind. <laughs> and he never, never lived it down. Hey, a lot of people these days into polyamory. Uh, I don't know much about that life. Uh, I do know, from what I've observed, uh, if you're going to open up your relationship, if you're going to have like an open marriage, it seems like it's going to be a lot like opening up a good bottle of red wine. In that once you do it, once you open it, uh, it's going to last about five days. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm joking. But seriously, they can be so sanctimonious about it. They really believe that it's like not just falling in love with a bunch of people. It's a better way to live. I feel like sometimes they're saying to me, uh, hey, you know, I can have my cake and I can eat it too. And they're also saying, you know, cake eating, it's one of the highest virtues. And I'm a little more enlightened than you because of all the cake that I ate. I also hear him saying to me, hey, can I spend the night at your house? Because they are all mad at me. I, I can't go back to that apartment. I got the cake all over me. Now I need to take a shower. Uh, so I was at the library recently. I saw a sign for adult coloring time. You know about this? You know the coloring's not just for little kids and people that got hit really hard in the head, right? These days it's for adults to do, right out in the open. And this sign, this sign at the library, here's what it said verbatim. It said, adult coloring time. Join us from 1 to 3 p.m. in the upstairs reading room. Or just stop by for however long you like. And that last part really tripped me out. Because, like, of all the things about adult coloring time, yeah, I know I can leave when I want to. <laughs> This isn't the one where you lock the doors. This isn't the one where I have to keep going after my hand cramps up. Yeah, I know. Basically, most signs have that little subtext after it. You, you don't need, you know, like, they don't need to put class meets three times a week. Or never, if that's what you want. Just don't show up. This is a fire exit. Or just stay in the fire, bro. It's your life burned to death in the hallway of this Ramada Inn. I came here on a mission from God. Some people may know that I've been um, in the trenches working on the right to gather for 28 years. It started in, uh, when we landed in D.C. when they first proposed this group use regulation in, in May 93. And uh, Thomas, the gnarly peace gnome of Peace Park, the guy who held the vigil and crossed from the White House for 27, eight years. He showed up at both gatherings. There were two gatherings that year, one in Alabama and one in Kentucky. Because of some confusion and some snit between scuffs, but there were two gatherings that year. Thomas went to both places, and here's a guy. You want to call him a wonk, you can, because who else reads the Federal Register and knows when the Forest Service publishes a proposed rulemaking such that he can go notify all the hippies in two locations in Alabama and Kentucky. 
And what wound up happening is hundreds of people showed up in D.C. In, uh, after the gatherings, about mid-July. And uh, we uh, made a big stink, and a bunch of people circled up and said, well, we had petitions going on, and Thomas wanted people to get stuff in the federal record, you know, on the record of the rulemaking. That's how it works. And, but a bunch of us got together and said, we got to lobby Congress. So we invented this new thing because you can't be rainbow and do that stuff, bad mushrooms. And People for Compassion and Understanding was born and we had about 40 people, volunteers, and we had about 130 congressional offices and, and got, I got drug off the street to write some stuff up good lit and we went up and uh, well basically stymied that thing for a while and uh, I've been through all the court cases um, we have put up a fight in all let me see Wisconsin Missouri North Carolina Pennsylvania Pennsylvania again um, I'm gonna lose count because there have been a lot of lot of cases we've been involved with. I can tell all those dirty stories, and um, I can tell you all the dumb things the lawyers didn't get, and how stupid the judges were. But we're still in that fight now. For the last 10 years, you guys have had it stopped because they stopped enforcing the the permit requirement. Um, 2010 here in Pennsylvania. The reason I think they did that is because we kind of kicked him in the shins. Uh, oh yeah, we appealed nine nine convictions in uh, West Virginia out of 2005 and wound up dumping those convictions. And they saw the the arguments we had, which were insurmountable. And then uh, in New Mexico in 2009, two ladies got signed up, signed the permit at the behest of the Forest Service in a turncoat, and uh, we sued them. And the court in New Mexico said these people didn't have any authority to sign for a free assembly. That broke the back of this whole thing of, of trying to compel people to sign for and, and make believe there's some kind of entity when you know it's just folks and nothing here but you and your shoes being yourselves. And you do not comprise any kind of entity that's able to hold a permit, and that's what a free public assembly is. So, but you guys have had it soft because they haven't been heavy-handed with this, but they still got this regulation. A conversation has been going on for decades. It's, it's, uh, we were in touch with Mark Ray, the Undersecretary of Agriculture, back in old 2003-04 trying to get this regulation changed. And um, well, for all the different reasons and why hippies go home and, and, and think that this Babylonian stuff is the smelliest stuff on earth, and I understand that, we still haven't solved the problem. But we have a petition now that's been submitted to the Department of Agriculture. We did it in 2018. You can, well, why don't we just change this regulation to make assembly legal as opposed to a criminal act? And um, we do have a petition that went into the USDA. And of course, the Trump uh, clowns didn't know what to do with it. So we're going to resubmit it. And the dream, the vision is to go to 
Colorado next year for the 50th anniversary of the first gathering. And you know how damn old I am? I was there. <laughs> and, and the dream is to go to the 50th anniversary gathering with a new regulation that is proper and constitutional and um, have an operating plan for an authorized rainbow gathering in Colorado for the 50th anniversary. I want to talk about this stuff tomorrow. We're going to have a workshop tomorrow. What's a good time? <laughs> Four, what's now. a good place? Now. Just keep talking. Here. Now. Here. Now. Four. Tomorrow. Here. Now. Four. Tomorrow. Let's no, talk this about is, the future this, of Rainbow. Right. Right. Now, now. Right. Because right. it's our mission. It's our mission. Our mission to save the First Amendment for posterity. Yes. We got to do it. And I'll kick the old timers in the shins, too, because They've set a piss poor example of cooperation, but um, you guys are much more cuddly. <laughs> so uh, let's get it on tomorrow for here. Serious uh, discussion because we have need to launch this campaign. And um, it, if, if one guy puts a thing in, it's a piece of paper on a shelf from one guy. But if they hear from the public, if they hear from environmental organizations, they hear from citizens, they say, hmm, this is a thing. So I want to talk to people about this stuff tomorrow because there's a lot of, lot of history that's gone by and no one's, been, no one's been talking about it for a while and I'm pissed off. So join me tomorrow. I love you. Back to you, Matthew. <laughs> Um, in a minute, I'm going to introduce our speaker, Garrick Beck, our beloved classmate of 1971, and he is going to talk primarily about experiences as an inventor and innovator of urban gardens for children, which he uh, chronicles in his new book, True Stories. Um, but I want, I want to talk about, he's so modest that I want to talk about other aspects of the book that might be of interest to you as our, as our classmates during that 1967 to 1972 period. Um, those of you who were on campus in May 1968 may remember the visit of the Living Theater Company, which was organized by Garrick's parents. This is covered in the book in detail and hilarious and in, uh, interesting things. What, you, what he failed to mention were the four students who dropped out that year and left Portland with, with the company, truly running away with the circus. So the book has, the, it's a, become a Bible of the urban children's gardening movement. But for our purposes, the early part that I think you'll find entertaining is his interface as a child with the leading figures of the of the New York and San Francisco beat movement. Uh, not only did Garrick uh, appear as an actor as a child in his parents' plays, but he also served as bartender at their parties, and there are wonderful photographs of him lolling on the floor with Jack Kerouac and being um, 
uh, attentively listened to by Allen Ginsberg. So that part is very entertaining. Thirdly, the book is another example um, of the ties at Reed College to American literature on a broader level, specifically the West Coast Beat Movement. Not only did three of our, our illustrious classmates, Gary Snyder, Lou Welch, and Philip Whalen, become card-carrying members of that, of that movement, but they brought their friends like Allen Ginsberg and others to read where they gave very important um, uh, lectures and, and readings and, and, and encouraging and uh, underscoring the significance of not only Reed students, and, but also the literature and English department at Reed for producing such brilliant writers. Well, after attending Reed, Garrick used his family background in the theater to help create a number of countercultural mass events, um, including the Vortex Festival, the Oregon Country Fair, and even more significantly, as we began hearing more and more in the early 1970s, the Rainbow Gatherings, among others. For the next 13 years, he worked on an organic farm in Oregon's coastal mountain range, and then returned to New York City to help his parents with their theater company. Another source of some hilarious, stupefying anecdotes in this book that everyone wants to buy. It's published by iUniverse. He opened a gem and mineral business and established a children's gardening program in the city school system, which is ongoing today. Garrick, we knew you were talented. I didn't also realize what a great humanitarian you are. Thank you so much for being here today. Matt, am I on? Yes. Matt, that is a uh, uh, humbling introduction, but I, I appreciate it. I, I feel that, um, first of all, that when I landed at Reed, I came to a nexus of vortex uh, coming together of my peers from every aspect, uh, from the, the, the brilliant mathematicians, the social activists, the, the, uh, the, the families of poets, the families of musicians, the families of, of uh, sociologists and political scientists who were at the forefront of so many movements that were just budding. And there we were, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22 years old. There we were, grown together with all of us are, are, are riding on, on others' shoulders. And the things that we've done with our lives to help what I call the new world culture evolve as opposed to the new world order, the things that we've done with our lives, it's a patchwork. It's not like one thing is going to save us. It's that somebody, I stumbled into this children's garden program. I'll tell you about that. But somebody else does something in education. Somebody else does something for prisoners. Somebody else does something for, for the, the water uh, in the river. And altogether, this patchwork makes the tapestry of a new world culture. And 
I didn't really understand that theory back then. I think we were all stumbling about wildly, and that was, it gave some great beauty to, to our time at Reed. But uh, it was the first time I really met uh, my peer group. Peer friends, yes. But suddenly, I was in the midst of people who were as in, in, intelligent, as motivated, as, as zany, as, as on the quest as myself. And that was a wonderful, wonderful experience, despite whatever difficulties I may have had with the administration. It was a wonderful experience meeting um, my true brothers and sisters. Uh, and I didn't know it at the time. I had no idea, did not understand it then. And slowly it's dawned on me. Um, another book I want to point out about the living theater is being published uh, by Routledge, great British publishing house of theater books, and it is being edited by Kate Breedson, Associate Professor of Theater at Reed College. She is editing my mother's diaries, and she is doing uh, two volumes, and one is due out in August. We'll see if it gets out, uh, but it will run from 58 to 72, Diaries of Judith Molina, uh, by Judith Molina, of course, edited by... Uh, Kate Breedson, because Judith's diaries are like 65 bucks, and now we're getting it down to two. And uh, uh, I just say hats off to Kate at Reed for doing that, and maybe when um, the book comes out and things are a little easier, maybe we will meet up there on campus. Who knows? Um, the Living Theater came to Reed in the middle of their Paradise Now tour, their most infamous, wildly best attended piece around the world. They had four plays, Antigone, which Judith translated, my mother translated from uh, Brecht's version of Hollerdine's translation of Sophocles' Antigone. Later, Judith in the Living Theater, we played it in the amphitheater in Italy, where, in Greece, in Greece, Oh, Hume, don't, don't let me make a mistake like that. Uh, in Greece, uh, in the amphitheater where it opened with Sophocles in the, I, I guess, backstage uh, or in the crowd. And uh, so the Living Theater has a long history. Uh, currently, it's a troupe of young actors. There are a few oldsters involved, but uh, we're going to produce next um, my father's uh, piece, Daily Light, Daily Life, Daily Speech, Julian Beck's piece. And in this interim, not during the COVID, but in the period before, uh, the theater played um, productions at migrant worker, at migrant camps in, in Greece and uh, on the border uh, outside Tijuana and uh, at, uh, at, 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 at other places, we did the, the Tijuana Theater Festival, we did Burning Man. There's more to say about the living theater, but let me say, when they came to read in this revolutionary moment, and we played in the Sports Palace, which is now collapsed, I understand. We played in the Sports Palace, and the Sports Palace got built, and by someone who wanted to give Reed a sports program. God love him. And uh, the, this couple made this donation to build this. We didn't even have any, any teams that played outside of intramural. I think we still don't. And, and built this fabulous, most expensive building on the campus, or so it looked. And uh, then 
the girls' intramural volleyball teams in their playoff match all went in naked. And, or so I was, I'm told. And, 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 and this was shocked the donor to the building. And then the Living Theater came with its international renown, and these folks showed up. And the, yes, Antigone, very classic. Frankenstein, an adaptation of Shelley's piece. Mysteries in Smaller Pieces, a uh, mysterious trance-like production. And Paradise Now, the play that exhorted everybody in the audience to get off their butts and change the world. And people got naked and people yelled at each other and people threw things and people argued and, and a read uh, for all its wisdom and progressiveness was not about to get off its butt and march into the streets and uh, take over, uh, make a new uh, uh, benign, loving anarchist revolution uh, that night. Nonetheless, the people who donated for the building came out of that show and said, take our names off this structure. So I leave you with that story. There's so much more to tell. Um, a, a number of people uh, did jump ship from the college and, and run away with the circus. And that was true at Yale. That was true at University of California. That was true at MIT. That was true at, uh, at productions at Reed. And uh, I guess there's ways like that. You get new uh, company members, but Shall I go on, Matthew? Shall I go? Oh. Shall I talk more about the theater right now? I have some beautiful pictures of the theater at Burning Man. I can play for us at the end. Yes, let's uh, move the let's move the theater onto the Q and A and continue with what you were going to also say. What I'm else you want? Right here. Well, what to do after Reed was a real puzzle. Um, and I was close with a group of readies, and we were trying to hash it out and think it out. And um, I, I, I just couldn't see graduating into anything uh, in the professional corporate field. And with uh, Jay Kaplan, Joan Jernigan, Karen McPherson, Dana Gottlieb, Andrew Nadelson, Koshal Yellen, and others, uh, we realized we needed to get out of the city and go back to the land. And we'd heard rumors of back to the land places in New Mexico and Vermont. And uh, with some of the money that uh, would have paid for the, my next year at Reed, um, we acquired, I acquired a, a, a parcel of land uh, in the coast range of Oregon. And, um, and another Reedy, uh, same class, uh, Fred Nemo, uh, also class of 71, Black Cat Books, Portland, fabulous, brilliant. I, I don't do him justice in my book, Matt. I had him yeah. in the whole piece and then it, that part got cut because had to chop it. But Fred, absolutely brilliant. And uh, he bought a piece of property right next door to mine that was on the option. And we began trying to farm organically. We hardly knew the word organic. We hardly knew the word. And there we were, kids, babes in the woods, no family experiences of farming and gardening and m marketing. And it was just a huge, a huge project. And everybody knows farming is hard work. And we were readies. We wanted to sleep in. We wanted to get high. We wanted to get partied. And 
At the same time, we wanted to make a new world. We wanted to cut our own firewood. We wanted to grow our own food. We wanted to save our own seeds. And we began to do that uh, in Southern Oregon. I have some slides here. Can I, can I switch to try to do that on my screen, Matthew? Uh, Carrie would know. Should work for you. Okay, we're gonna give this a try here. On a wing and a prayer. I'm gonna try to uh, see if I can share my screen here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm getting there. I got a little spinning wheel. There we go. There we go. All right, I think this is where most of you met me. I figured I'd open up with this. We got there at Reed, but it was, uh, it was um, uh, less than 30 days after we landed and we did Mr. Dean Dudman going, oh my goodness, what have we brought upon us? And that's the cover of the book. There you go. Arizona Gathering, 1979, Arizona Rainbow. That's the picture that the, that the cover of the book is taken from. So you get to see the whole piece here. And now here I am in the carrot patch. We're growing different kinds of carrots, trying to learn um, what kind of carrots can uh, successfully uh, grow in this soil, be marketed in this soil, and so forth. You know, there's the young me with a sample of it, looks like a naunt. There we go. There's Karen McPherson, class of 71, pitching hay into uh, one of the, the, the field gardens. Amazing, just amazing. You know, one, one thing about our class, and I'm just going to say this about us, is the fact is uh, so many of us, maybe because of our background and maybe because of who we met and, 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 and got involved with, with Reed and cross-pollinated ideas and thoughts with each other, so many of us active in the women's movement, in the civil rights movement, in the prisoners movement, in the mental health movement, of course, in the environmental movement, and uh, if I've left any movements out, of course, of course, of course. Karen was so instrumental in, this has hardly been talked about, but I want to give kudos here, in, uh, I don't want to say feminizing, but demachoizing the back to the land movement in, 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 in this country and in the world. She said, that's it. It's not women in the kitchen and men out with the machinery, no. We're all going to pitch in. We're all going to learn the different skills. We're all going to do this together. Otherwise, I don't want your revolution. And I think she, she was a really great influence, not only on us, but on, in communities in Northern California, in, uh, in Vermont, in Seattle, in New Mexico, because she took that position really strongly. And uh, that class of 71, there we go. That's one of our first See, we're going to different test vegetables and so forth. We tried doing this, what you see, we all did by hand. We did it with freaking shovels and, and rakes and hose and maybe a little rotavator. Finally, we realized no can do this on this scale. There we go. We got the horse. We're out there, Reedies and, and, and friends and folks from other, other, uh, other scenes around, around the country, around the world. There we are plowing the field with Bo the horse and then... Now we've got Bo pulling a beautiful old-timey 
a seeder, 1920s. It was a mechanical seeder that would plop the seeds into the ground, corn, beans, uh, things like that. And it rotated up and down like a carnival ride, like a carousel. There we are, but unbelievable, trying to do it with a horse. There's an A-frame we built in the background. Finally, we consented, we got to get a tractor. Okay, we got a tractor. We're moving into the modern world, kids. We're still using the beautiful, beautiful old refurbished uh, uh, cedar. And there's the larger stretch. You can see where we're, this is a couple of years later, we're expanding. Oh, here's the crew of us. We've got uh, Dana's in there, Karen's in there, I'm in there. There we are in front of the cabin, right landed 19, uh, early 19. There we are having fun. Don't just jump up and down. Holler while you jump up and down. Um, so this house here, you, you, you see back here, uh, I guess you can't see that. There's a, yeah, you can see there's a, there's a kind of a, on the right-hand side, there's a, uh, we're making into a greenhouse. And here we've done the greenhouse entirely in recycled windows. Oh my goodness. We built the dome to live in. There we are. Um, the guy in the middle went on to um, uh, MIT design. This is the dome uh, finished up finally uh, and so forth. Oh, this is me and Karen and now we're having kids. This is the important part of the story. Everybody out there is having children. We're all having children what we're doing. This is Karen, class of 71, Karen McPherson, Garrick Beck, that's me, that's Eden. And she is our kid. She's now, she's doing just wonderfully. And um, uh, the point is that the kids grew up and went to school three, four, five years later. Yeah, we could grow the vegetables. This is, a, this is we could grow truckloads of these cauliflowers, but it was hard to sell them. I'll tell you why, but first, I want to say the kids, when they were four and five, three years old, you can feed them mashed turnips. But when they get bigger, they want all other kinds of foods. And they want the right kind of sneakers to go to school in. And they want that kind of stuff. So it was very hard economically to market all the things we needed to uh, sustain it uh, money-wise. And the kids come off the school bus. And what are we going to do? We're in the fields. We're working. Aha. Aha. Crux of the story. Kids come off the school bus. They put their books down. They come down to the field. And now today we're transplanting. And now today we're hoeing. 